0: Log
1: Talk Radio. Good evening. This is your good friend, the very esteemed and well-travelled Clarence Copernicus Cloverleaf, welcoming you to another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio, hosted by the host with the most, Jimmy Falcon. You can always feel free to call in at six zero two seven five three one eight eight three 753 1883 to ask a question to the host or any of his well-established guests. Just please remember when calling in to be on your best behavior. This is a G-rated show, you know. Hey, that was a wicked rhyme. Anywho, just be sure to be kind and courteous. Now, on to the main event! <laughs> We're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I am the host of the most, Jimmy Falcon, and by my side today is the G-Man, Alan Gitlin. How's it going, Alan?
0: All right, Ian. How are you doing? Thank you for yep. having me on, first of all.
1: I'm doing good, and uh, thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: All
1: right. Uh, what made you want to be coming to me then? What were some of the things that, uh, you know, started you off? Uh,
0: well, you know, when I was younger, I did a little acting in... When I was around 20 years old and it used to take us like two hours to eat dinner because I'd be cracking up and making jokes. And of course, a lot of times I ended up with, uh, handprints on my face when I was younger (laughs) because my mother was a disciplinarian and, uh, I've always been a good storyteller. And so, um, I got married around 26, 27, got divorced around 43, 44, always liked George Carlin kind of, um, so I saw an ad for Caroline's Comedy School in New York, and I said, let me try it. It was uh, one day a week, uh, two hours. I think it was 10 weeks for 400 bucks, I believe. And uh, I tried it, and I liked it. And, um, uh, you know, they can't really say you're not funny. They try to critique your writing and get you used to stage. course, if you're not on stage all the time, you never get used to stage time, you know. So that really got me into it, and I did a, I've done some comedy bits, and in New York City, I've done some in New Jersey, and I recently moved down um, to Florida. And I haven't done anything down here yet, but I will probably, you know, um, just that I got I've done some nice acting gigs and a few, you know, got the comedy went into acting somehow too, also. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like uh, sort of, uh, you know, intertwined, kind of I guess, with me, you know. But yeah, it's um, all, they compare uh... me.
1: It's all, it's all it's all about being on a stage and performing, so I can definitely understand where those go hand yep. in
0: And I'm compared to Seinfeld because uh, what they call me an observation comedian. Um I pay attention to things people don't pay attention to. Uh such as um I actually drive a Ford Explorer and Ford used to have a commercial that said the Ford Explorer is the best selling SUV on the planet. Well, do we sell them other planets? <laughs> not that I know of, not that I know of, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, you know, recently uh, down here, actually, I went to a restaurant that I happened to like, and um, the urinal was like, really, it was one urinal and it was six inches off the ground. So I made up a joke about, it, like, is that for Johnny Watt Holmes or a midget, which one? You Because know, <laughs> you're probably going to pee on your shoes, you know?
1: <laughs> but That's these are
0: things that people you know, people just walk in and out, don't pay attention to. Or for example, um when I before I moved down here, I flew down here twice to see my girlfriend. That's why I came down here. And um I don't know what airport you fly out of, but I'm sure all the airports are the same. Um, in Newark Airport in New Jersey, I want I ordered dinner and they give me a plastic knife with a regular fork. Now, they give you a plastic knife because TSA says you can't have a knife. But, you like, you can't do damage with a fork. I could stick somebody in the jugular with that fork. I could poke their eyes out. But I'm allowed to have a fork but not a knife. I mean, really? I mean, who thought of this genius move, you know? But I just thought it was kind of funny when I when I got it. I was just like, really? Somebody, you know, what what genius thought of this move, you know? So I pick up on things that people don't pay attention to such as uh, when I lived in New Jersey, there was a cemetery near my house and that had a sign. It's an open house on Saturday and Sunday. So I made up a joke about it. I want to die when it's not open, you know? <laughs> you know, So stuff like that, I pick up on crazy stuff, you know, and I've done some nice acting bits. I've done a few kind of funny things, some good stuff though. You know, I got some nice stories. Um, I did a thing for a uh, and E with, um, Joan London and Bob Smith for investigative reporter. And, uh, it was one of the first things that really, the first acting things I really did. And uh, Joan London uh, stands up if they do this one take about 45 times. They just couldn't get it right. And she stands up and she says, You know, you extras are great. Us professionals suck. I thought that was so cool. You know, <laughs> first of all, she's a very pretty lady, a very nice lady. She was very nice to everybody also. And uh, then I did a commercial for WWE Stocker 2 and XFO. And XFO was around, if you remember that. Oh, Yeah. And um, that was shot up in Rockland County in New York. Uh, It was a very funny story. They took 14 of us up in a van to play football all day. We had to be in New York City at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I lived about 45 minutes outside the city, which a lot of people do. Um, And so we get there, and they go, you have to sign this waiver. And we're like, what do you mean you've got to sign this waiver? Well, Vince McMahon from WWE had his lawyer drop a 35-page waiver that you needed a lawyer to understand. And the thing, the gist of it was that he didn't want to be sued in case you got hurt. However, if you didn't sign the waiver, they were going to drive you back into New York City, which was an hour away, and you weren't going to be in a commercial. So it was kind of like you didn't have a choice, really, you know. Uh, but matter of fact, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan or not, but China, the wrestler, and I believe it was X-Pac or 6 Pack, whatever they call them, oh, yeah. um, they, she was supposed to be there, and they were in a drunken stupor, the two of them, and she got fired. They both got fired, actually, for that. But she got fired because she was supposed to be there in that commercial. And when Vince McMahon says you're supposed to be somewhere, you better be there. Because um, he builds your character up. And, and he, he he expects you to be That's part of your contract. So they had a dub uh, cane, which is a big, big red machine, and later on into the commercial, which was shown on Channel 9 in New York, which is a local station. I can't tell you how many times. And we got paid $2,000 for that day, a 12-hour day. And we waited ten months for that check because Vince McMahon wouldn't sign off on the checks.
1: He likes to take
0: money in; he doesn't like to give it out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just, it's much just money he has. Oh, he's a billionaire. The guy, come on, you know his wife ran for what governor of Connecticut and spent four hundred thousand of her own money or something. Or for right. a million dollars, I don't know, some kind of stupid amount of money on, on a campaign to become mayor, and she didn't be, I mean governor. She didn't become governor. So, And it was all her money. So, really, I mean, how much money do you have here, buddy, you know? So, it was just kind of funny. But I, I, I have fun with everything I do. You know, um, I meet a lot of younger people on sets. And I tell them, listen, you know what, make some money, have some fun. You never know who you're going to meet along the way. In the, in the acting and the comedy business—it sometimes it's who you know and not necessarily what you know. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a strange business. I've been around it for a long time now, about 12, 13 years. I try to help people out. I have friends. I've been in uh, many independent movies, and I still keep in touch with a lot of the people that I was in movies in. You know, um, I have a friend of mine in Arizona. We were in three independents together. I have a friend of mine down in Miami, who we were in one together. Um, a couple of years ago, we still keep in contact. A couple of other guys I keep in contact with every once in a while. I say, hello, what's going on? How you doing? So, you know, I make friends in the business. Networking is an important position that you're in, you know. So that's just what how I am, and that's who I am pretty much, Um I don't know what else you want. To, you want to. You want to know about me. I, I'm an open book kind
1: of. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, yeah, I was. I've always been a big wrestling fan, and I had the opportunity to do it for a few years, and it was a lot of a lot of great fun, and uh, got to meet Kane a couple times, and he he was cool. really nice, down to earth guy. So cool guy. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that was kind of where I was going. So it's like you read my mind.
0: Really. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, he, he, they dubbed him in later on, and, uh, I you know, this big man wasn't too happy, but he had to put somebody in that commercial, you know, and uh, like I said, he was trying to build the XFL. He was partnering with Stacker 2 at the time, the, um, you know, that's like an energy pill or whatever they were taking at the time. And, uh, of course, he was promoting WWE also, so it was a combination of the three. Matter of fact, the XFL cheerleaders were there in their cheerleading uniforms. They were freezing their butts off because it was about 10 degrees that day. <laughs> and they were all freezing. Of course, us guys liked it, you know, because, you know, things, certain things expanded. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we had fun though. It was a lot of fun though. It was a fun, it was a fun time though. You know, it was a fun day. You know, it was just kind of crazy that, that you know, what went on though. But, uh, other than that, I don't know what else you want to know. I'm pretty much an open book. Um, You can reach uh, anything you want to see about me, basically, on my website, www.theg-man.net or the G-man cometh on Facebook. Uh, Those are two places you can see most of my stuff. And uh, what I'm going to do, I'm in the midst of, actually, I I wrote a a script with another guy, an original idea, and hopefully a trailer will be made very shortly after January. And then we're going to try and sell it to Netflix or Amazon or Hulu. And it's a really interesting uh, thing. It's not the zombies. It's not Marvel. It's not the throne thing. It's it's an original idea about a detective living now who uses no technology. Um, He's a cross between Columbo and uh, James Bond. And he's Columbo because he figures stuff out by his gut. And he's James Bond because he's betting everything in sight, including his secretary. As a matter of fact, his secretary has knee pads in her drawer. And when you can't find you have to look under his desk. I'll say no more. <laughs> he uh, oh, he drives he, he drives the first car he ever owns. Uh he lives in the same house he grew up in. He eats a breakfast pretty much the same place every day. He wants to live back in the 80s, the early 80s before technology took over. Uh when he goes on a case, uh well he's always carries a beeper. And when his beeper goes off, he asks you if he can use his, your cell phone. And then he has to call whoever he's calling three or four times because they don't recognize the name. You know, like if I, was, if I had your cell phone and I was trying to call one of my friends, they're not answering, you know what I'm saying? Right. They're like, who, I, don't, I don't know who this is. So after, after somebody keeps calling, like, you know, minute after minute, every, you know, every 30 seconds, they pick it up. You know, he carries a, a Polaroid Instamatic. Um, because he doesn't have a cell phone to take pictures with, so he has to have a Kodak Informatics uh, camera that comes out, you know, where the film comes out, like, you know, 30 seconds later, 10 seconds later, you know. So he's really old school, but he's also some new school stuff, too. You know, he lives with his childhood sweetheart, who we went to high school with, and she knows all about his his side stuff, and uh, sometimes she actually partakes in it, kind of modern that way. But, uh there's a lot of, a lot of twists and turns to it. So um, right now it's called Adam Goldsmith's Private Eye. Um, however, when I sell it to Amazon or Hulu or Netflix, I mean, I, they may change the name of it. I like to stay on as a consultant because there's a lot more stuff I want to bring out in it that I couldn't bring out in the first eight episodes. But got a lot of good stuff going on, you know. So. <clears throat>
1: Very I'm cool.
0: Yep, yep. And that's my big project right now. And um matter of fact, I just got a script from a friend of ours, Steve. Uh, who uh, a friend of his is doing a, a small movie in L.A. and they want me to play a bit part. And matter of fact, they just sent me the script yesterday. I have to print it out and look at it. And, and um, then something I did about six years ago, I just got an email for yesterday. I have to sign a release for it. Some film that, that I did six, six years ago is going to come out with uh, King Kong Bundy in it. How do you like that? King Kong Bundy was in it. <laughs> Interesting. Another wrestling guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, the guy sent me an email. He said, oh, you probably forgot about my film. I didn't forget about it, you know. um, And uh, I got to find a release for that so they can distribute that film out there. So It's going to come out in the movie somewhere. So that's all all good stuff going on. So, I don't know what else you'd like to know. You can ask me any question you like, Ian. Well, I,
1: (laughs) you know, I was always kind of curious for comedians. What's kind of the hardest part about being a comedian? I mean, I know you guys always got to be on and it seems like a lot of comedians deal with depression and stuff. What's uh, what's some well, of the stuff? You know what? Doing?
0: You know what? I don't, I don't put an act on all the time. You know, some comedians are always, you know, on an act. You know, um, I find the hardest thing to be on stage. That's if you're not on stage all the time. You know, that's the hardest thing. I haven't been on stage now for about three, four years. Um, I have a lot of stuff written, and i I'm, I'm, I may go on stage very shortly. I just hooked up with a guy in Pittsburgh, even though I'm in Florida. Uh, we might do a two-man act, a black or white act, uh, where he's going to be Joe White and I'm going to be Bob Black. And that in itself is funny, you know, because <laughs> uh, two-man comedy teams, there aren't anymore, you know, and that's something of the past. And it is funny because you can play off each other, you know. Oh, definitely. So um, I just contacted the gentleman last week. After the first of the year, we're going to try and get together and, and see if we can do something. His name is uh, Kevin Williams. He's out of Pittsburgh. But um, like I said, he's a black gentleman. I'm white. So I decided he's going to be Joe White, and I'm going to be Bob Black. And, you know, that right there is kind of funny. Yeah, (laughs) role (laughs) reversal. Yeah, and it's going to all be about, you know, what black people do on certain holidays, what white people do on holidays, and play off each other a little bit, like stereotype a little bit, though. That's all. You know, which is kind of funny, you know? Everyday life is funny, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: you see things every day that are just, you know, funny, you know. Like today, um, we went out and we were doing some errands and we took my girlfriend's daughter with us who was in her 40s and we see this guy. She went to the doctor and we're waiting in the car and this guy comes out in a plaid shorts, green plaid shorts, and a blue plaid shirt and they were nowhere near matching. Like, did you get dressed in the dark or what, pal? Because it was like totally out of whack, you know. Uh, you see so many things that people wear. It's just like, are you kidding me? Are you nuts? You know, you go outside <laughs> like this? I mean, uh, you wonder what these people are thinking, you know?
1: Yeah, i was like, saying, um, you got to think, did they look and even look in the mirror before they left the house? Like.
0: Right, right. Well, I, I have this thing. I have to watch it because when I lived in New York, I used to I, in New Jersey, I used to go to New York City a lot. And when I see somebody with a screwed-up haircut, I used to walk up to them and say, listen, let me ask you a question. Where did you get your hair cut? And they say why? I said, well, I just want to know. And they tell me like Joe's barbershop. And they say why? I go, because I don't want to go there. You know, <laughs> he screwed up for your hair. I don't want my hair screwed up like that.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, uh, so you got to be careful. Though some people, most people laugh. Some people get mad, but most people laugh at it. You know, you know they know oh, yeah. you're joking. They know you're joking. But you know, nowadays, unfortunately, with the anger of the society, you have to be very careful. You know. <laughs>
1: Well, there was cool uh, yeah. uh one one more question I wanted to ask you since yes. we, we discussed everything else uh what was it like uh yeah what was it like working on uh, the Bounty Hunter the really hilarious movie with uh, Jennifer Ansting and Gerard Butler,
0: well here's the thing this is a funny very, very funny story um that was shot at Mamma's Park part of it was shot at Monmouth Park in New Jersey Long Branch New Jersey, and um I there was 500 extras they shot it on a day when the track wasn't open. And I actually sat two rows behind Jennifer Aniston. And Jennifer Aniston and Gerard Butler went out to lunch. And when she came back, she had like a line like, quit chasing me or you're never going to catch me. It took them 60 takes to do that scene. She couldn't remember her lines. I don't know if they got drunk during lunchtime or they went to a motel or something, man, because I knew her lines better than she did. And I was sitting two rows behind her. (laughs) You know? <laughs> so, I don't know what went on during lunchtime, but something went on. <laughs> you know, but it was a fun. It was a it was a fun was a fun shoot though. All shoots are fun if you make them that way. You know, I I make them that way. Everybody knows me by the end of the day. I have business cards I pass out, which I think is acting 101 basically. That's your calling card. You know, hopefully somebody will remember you and say, hey, you know what? Remember that guy who made us laugh on that set, or remember that guy who came over and us, gave us that card. He's right for this part that that we have. You know so that's my thing networking 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 that's my thing you know cuz you never know who Absolutely. you're talking to or who they, or who they know or who who they know um as a matter of fact it's funny because my girlfriend down here has a friend whose brother just married the person in charge of Warner Brothers short stories now he was here for halloween his sister told him that i had a script and he made sure that before she left for the wedding in California that he got a copy of an overview of my whole project uh, about my script and he's going to give it to his, his partner. So that's real nice of the guy, you know, but you never know, you know, you never know who you're talking to, you know, you never know who they know, you know? So my card is given out to a lot of people, (laughs) you know, I don't, I'm not shy about my card. I'm not shy (laughs) when it comes to my, my, my card or my, you know, what I do, you know?
1: Yeah, you made a great point. Networking is important in anything. You know, uh, you know, podcasting, it's great. You talk to one person, you're like, oh, yeah, you might, you might be interested in to to this person. And you never know right. what door is going to get opened.
0: That's correct. You never know. That's why you have to network. Everything I, everything I do, everything, I talk to people all the time. My mother said I used to talk, I would talk to the wall if it would talk back to me. Of course, she was like the same way. So, you know, I was late bloomer. Though. I was very quiet uh, in high school. If anybody would tell me that I would become a comedian uh, in my 40s, I would never have believed it. Um, I was very introverted when I was a kid. I was very not shy. I just wasn't a talker, and I just took things in. And then as I got out of high school and I started in the working world, I started working in New York. The kind of, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, so I was kind of sheltered a little bit. Um, I knew stuff went on, but then when I got to the city, I saw it, you know. And then little by little, my personality came out and then I'm semi-retired but I was a salesman for the last 30 years on the road. So you got to talk. You have no choice, you know. And uh, a lot of times I would start off if I was doing a cold call and somebody would say, can I help you? I said, no, two psychiatrists put me out. I put two psychiatrists out of work. Now, if they laughed, I knew I had a shot. If they went, huh? I went, oh boy, I'm not getting too far. (laughs) You know. (laughs) So uh, it's just, you know, it's just my way of Getting my personality out there, you know, and I was in two uh professions and I, I made a lot of friends. I never screwed anybody over. I made a lot of good relationships. I still have them now. I can call anybody up from down from New Jersey, even though I'm in uh, outside Orlando now and talk to them like it was yesterday, you know um, one industry I hadn't been in in twenty years, and if anybody's still around. That was there 20 years ago i could just walk in and say how you doing how's your mother your brother your uncle anybody who was in the store at the time when i used to call on them you know and not too many people can say that you know um my last profession was in the car business i wasn't a car salesman but i was around a business for 25 years and um my ex-son-in-law we went to buy a car and uh, we went on the road up in new jersey where it is it's car it's car dealer after one, one after another and uh, we walk into one dealership, and I know, like, eight people. We walk into the next one. I owe, like, six people, then five people, then eight people, another one. And then finally we get to a guy who I'm really friendly with, and he says, I got a car for you. Don't worry about it. Boom. And we got a car within a half hour, you know. And he couldn't believe wow. how many people I knew, you know. But that's just that's how I am with everybody, you know. Uh, because uh, just because the guy is a salesman today doesn't mean he's not going to be a sales manager down the road or something like that, you know, down the road, or he's going to be somewhere else. So i made friends with a lot of people. A lot of people in New Jersey um, know me. As a matter of fact, I have 12 dealers going to buy cars for down in Florida and have them shipped up to New Jersey. 12 guys that trust me. One guy has easily $5 million, $6 million worth of inventory, all exotic cars. And he trusts me to buy cars for him down here because he knows I won't screw him over. You know? And that's, that's saying something. You know. So. Yeah, you're right. Not a lot of people can say that. That's great. Well, you know what? I never screwed anybody over. I don't try to. Um, I'm not in it for a short term. It's a long term thing, and that's why how you make friends and that's how you make relationships, and that you know that gets you people. You know, I tell everybody in New Jersey when I was in New Jersey, don't buy a car without me. I knew everybody in four or five counties of New Jersey out of 13, and if you buy a car without me, I don't want to know what you paid because you got screwed over because I'm taking you to the owner or the general manager, or somebody really high up in the organization. And if you rather go to his regular salesman, that's up to you, you know. <laughs> you know, I know how to work a deal. I know how to lease the cars, You know, um, I drove for Lyft, and my people were in Jersey, and people would tell me, uh, I got some funny stories about that, too. Oh, my God, oh, some, some Lyft stories that are very funny, extremely funny. Um, I'll tell you one right now that just came to mind as I was saying that. Uh, one of the last things I did in Georgia before I came down to Orlando was to uh, take a guy to rehab. And uh, the guy's about 35 years old, and uh, his father puts him in the car, and he says, you know, the guy's in, in bad shape. You're taking a rehab, and the rehab is about 40 miles away from where I am. But no problem with me because I'm, I'm getting paid for lift. I don't care. And uh, the guy's... We're in the car, and the guy's telling me he's an athlete uh, in one of the local high schools when he was younger, and he's going to rehab. This is rehab number six for him. And I'm saying to myself, you're 35 years old, rehab number six. That's not a good thing. But anyway, so we're talking, and he's telling me he's got records in one of the local high schools, and he won a golf tournament the day before. He's a scratch golfer. And he got so drunk that his father said, that's it. I'm sending you back to rehab. And so we're talking on the way down, and we're almost to where we got to go. And he said to me, you're going to stop and get me a bottle of gin. I go, excuse me. He goes, yeah, I want a bottle of gin. I said, you're going to rehab. What are you crazy? And he goes, no, I want to stop and get you. I want to get stopped and get a bottle of gin. So I said, okay, I'll stop, but I'm not buying it for it. you. You want it, you buy it for yourself. So he goes into this liquor store and he buys a pint of gin. And he got he he, he just half of it's down in like 30 seconds. So he's got half the guzzled down. And we go to the rehab and we pull up and the rehab lady says, what's your name? He's, I'm not telling you my name. So the lady says, "Listen, we paid for the ride, <clears throat> we paid for the lift ride, and uh, we can't check you in if you don't tell us who you are." And he insisted on not telling her. And she says to me, "Don't go, don't go anywhere because you may be taking him back to his father." And he's telling, her, Oh, my father won't take me back until I go through rehab." So I stay in there, and finally he goes in with her and gives her he, he gives her a name, and she comes out and she says, "You know, he blew, he blew three point oh on the breathalyzer, and at four point oh." We take him to the hospital. He's like like emergency care. So I said, "Listen, honey, no offense. He's shorts. He's got half a bar of gin. I said, when that gin gets in the system, he'll blow 4.0. He'll be going to the hospital. Don't worry. I mean, you can't make this up. I mean, what is wrong with this guy? You know, uh, rehab number six. You know, that's one of the funny <laughs> stories that, that. I mean, I I mean, I, just, I did good, I I couldn't believe it. I really just couldn't believe it. The guy wanted his bottle of gin and, and guzzled down, half of it down in like 30 seconds, not even. Like 10 seconds, he had half of it gone, you know.
1: Just, that's insane.
0: Yeah, really. I, I I guess he was, apparently, you know. But anyway, that's one of the funny stories from this. I have a lot more, you know. And um, I've been divorced for about 23 years, and I used to do some Internet dating, and I got some funny, funny stories about Internet dating. Um, I'll just tell you one real quick. Um, I meet this lady at Fridays because I meet her by by her house because she wants to be safe, and we talk, and everything's nice. I like you. You're a nice guy. You're exactly what I'm looking for. We're going back and forth. I said, you're a nice lady. I'd like to see you again. And she tells me her dog is having surgery the next day. So I said, I hope your dog makes out okay. You know, I'm a dog lover, so I'm an animal lover. So the next morning I text her. I said, hey, how you doing? Had a great time last night. I uh, hope your dog make, you know does well, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Well, I get a text about, that's about 9 o'clock in the morning. About 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I get a text from her saying, I can't go out with you anymore. So I said, well, why not? She says, well, you're too concerned about my dog. <laughs> well, uh, apparently something else was going on there, because most women would say, hey, this guy's really compassionate. You know, he's worried about my dog. He doesn't really know me. But apparently there was something else going on in her life. I don't know what it was. But that's a, that's one of my funny stories from internet dating, but I got plenty. I got plenty, plenty more. Take my word for it. I started writing them down. I had so many. That's
1: funny.
0: <laughs> I got like a, I start. I start. I start. Keep, I, I was keeping a journal after a while, you know. But uh, now I'm fine because I got my girlfriend who I know for 45 years, and we reconnected uh, about nine months ago on Facebook, and uh, now I'm down here living at her. So.
1: Well, very cool, very Alan.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's a real cool story. We went out when I was 18. She was 16. I grew up with her and her family, and she chased me, and I wasn't ready for a commitment then. And um, and uh, we reconnected 45 years later. So
1: That's very awesome. Well, we are yep. just about out of time, Alan. Yep. Thank you so very much Alrighty. for joining yeah. me.
0: Thank you, sir. I appreciate any time you want to have me on. I can tell you a lot of stories about internet dating and about Lyft. You you have me on again, somewhere down the road. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Thanks again, Alan. Thank have a great Christmas.
0: All right. And they can check me out on www.theg-man.net. All, righty, Alan. Thank All no right, Alan. Thanks again.
1: Have a great night. All right. Thank
0: you, too. Have a nice holiday, man. Thank you. You, too, buddy. Bye.
1: All right you just happened to join us a few minutes ago and you missed the opening or some of the interviews, go back in about 15 minutes, check out the uh, archive, download it, and listen to the full interview with the G-Man, Alan Gitlin. I think this is going to be the last episode uh, of 2018. We've had some stellar guests. I did three conventions this year, made a lot of great friends, uh, saw a lot of great people, and uh, went to some great places as well. So thanks to everybody who uh, was really nice and and joined me this year. Like I said, we had some real doozies. I can't think of how many shows uh, we did this year, but thanks to everybody for all of them. They were all great times. We will see you in 2019. Hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, as always, for listening. Have a great night. Would you like to sponsor the Cloverleaf Radio Network? We'd love for you to be our friend. We have several packages available and some start out just as low as 99 cents a month. All you need to do is to click on that little link that you see that says support our network. You can support our network for 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, or 9.99 a month. But if you be our best friend and you sponsor us for 9.99 a month, You'll get to be a part of Cherry House Press, which is another company, part of the Cloverleaf Radio Network. We'll send you the newest published book every time that we published, just because you decided to be our friend for nine ninety nine a month. We thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.